Most MPs in the House of Commons voted in favour of calling for a public inquiry into foreign election interference today, which of course ramps up pressure on the federal government to follow, uh, following f- fresh allegations about China's alleged meddling in Canada's affairs. The NDP motion, which was introduced by New Westminster Member of Parliament Peter Julian, passed with 172 votes in favour and 149 votes against. Um, MP uh, Peter Julian will be joining us at 5 o'clock to discuss uh, the issue. Now, the the vote itself is non-binding, but it does speak to the, the will of the majority of voting MPs, which should raise pressure on the government uh, to call for a full public inquiry. Now, today's vote comes um, a day after Toronto Area Member of Parliament Han Dong's uh, shocking departure from the Liberal caucus. Uh, Mr. Mr. Dong, it should be noted, voted in favour of today's motion, uh, but he is now sitting as an independent after Global News published a story yesterday alleging he advised a senior Chinese diplomat in February of 2021 that Beijing should hold off on freeing uh, the two Michaels, Michael Kovrig and Michael uh, Spaver, uh, the two Canadians that were held in China uh, for up to about two years. Now, Mr. Dong uh, denies the allegations. Uh, he spoke uh, late yesterday when the story broke. Uh, the story, of course, was written by Sam Cooper. He was on our show at 5 o'clock yesterday. Uh, soon after that interview, um, Mr. Dong uh, announced that he was stepping down as a Liberal Member of Parliament. Take a listen. To my family, and in particular, my parents, who brought us here to Canada. To my wife, Sophie, and my kids, I love you. I thank you for all the support and love you give me. The truth will protect us. I have informed the Prime Minister and the leadership of the Liberal Party caucus that I will be sitting as an independent. Uh, Mr. Dong confirmed to Global that he had a discussion with the uh, Consul General in Toronto, Han Tao, but he has denied that he advised Beijing delay releasing uh, the two Michaels. Well, joining me now to talk about uh, what has transpired over the last 24 hours is Kareem Alam. He is a partner at Fairview Strategy and a former Chief of Staff to the Mayor of Vancouver. He was on our show a couple of days ago talking about what we needed to do as a region, as a province and as a country in regards to uh, protecting uh, our government from foreign interference. Uh, Kareem, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on again, Josh. Uh, your thoughts first uh, and foremost on the announcement from Handong and the allegations that were out there. What was your reaction when you first uh, heard uh, what transpired? The, the allegations are fairly seri- extremely serious and uh, very concerning and, and very troubling. But we have a standard here in Canada of procedural fairness and due process. And uh, this is now a person who has been convicted in the court of public opinion without procedural fairness. Um, this is, again, why uh, I believe uh, an inquiry is important. Um, in the absence of an inquiry, intelligence, evidence and uh, accusations are being given equal weight. Um, we need a judge at a head of a commission, at the head of an inquiry, to be able to sift through what is credible, what is not. And the sooner we can have an inquiry is the sooner we can get to work on meaningful legislation that empowers CSIS to be able to protect our Canadian sovereignty. And Jazz, and to all the listeners out there, the clock is ticking on this before the next election. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to your comments, do, do you worry that there may be a bit of, um, how do I say this, McCarthyism uh, occurring, uh, and not any specific story, a specific individual, 
but the totality of our conversation uh, may be too broad in general, and those accusations that are directed at individuals or, or, or groups of individuals, uh, you know, it can't be proven in a court of law at this point. Do you, do you worry that, the, that we are sort of heading in that direction to a certain degree? We can, and that's what I find troubling about the news of the last 24 hours. There's a ton of media coverage, uh, uh, scrutiny, uh, uh, and trajectory, and, and the potential for this to start to turn into hysteria um, is definitely there. That We definitely want to avoid, a, as a country, going into uh, a McCarthy-style red scare search and destroy. That's why uh, having an inquiry uh, uh, right away is so critical and so important. Uh, we need guardrails on this discussion. We need a referee and an arbiter uh, to ensure that the discussions and the conversation, the intelligence and information that's being gathered is accurate and that we aren't painting an entire community with a single brush. Mm-hmm. Uh- the information that is leaking, not just in yesterday's story, but other stories, uh, not only on Global News, but the Globe and Mail as well. I mean, does this not to a certain degree also say that the security establishment is frustrated by the present setup of our national security institutions or, number two, that that our elected officials and perhaps the way the system is set up, we are not addressing or responding to actionable intelligence. And that's why this is all getting leaked out now to the media, because not enough has been done that we've been sleepwalking through this for too long. It's quite, it's quite likely that uh, uh, there's a frustration uh, uh, with uh, the slow pace of change to give CSIS, the RCMP, the tools they need to be able to do to protect our Canadian sovereignty. Um, and as a result, whistleblowers have come forward and started leaking documents. Whistleblowers deserve credit and protection, um, but civil society demands process and procedural fairness. And this all ties back to the fact that we need an inquiry uh, uh, immediately. As Canadians, we all have a duty uh, to protect our sovereignty, but we also have a critical duty uh, to one another. Um, all this hysteria that's potentially building up, the only release valve for this um, to get the justice that the whistleblowers are looking for, to get the justice that Canadians are looking for, is a public inquiry. Hmm. Uh, do you think we can do both? What I mean by that, a public inquiry takes time. It'll drag on for a very long time. It moves very slowly. It's like a giant freighter. Do you think we can have two tracks? One, where an inquiry does occur, and also, through our, our, our committee work at the federal level, we are able to make changes that are quick and can respond to the, uh, the immediate needs as an inquiry makes its way through all the thicket of information that will be there, all the stuff that they have to go through, plus they have to sort of uh, you know, <laughs> thoughtfully uh, go through all of it and then uh, come back with their findings. This is a year-long process, at, as, and that's if it's fast. Yeah. Uh, but can you do a two-track kind of uh, uh, an investigation where committees deal with the issues that are immediate and let the inquiry go as it goes as well? Yes, and we absolutely must do that. All an inquiry will do is look at the past, uh, but we need another process that looks at the future, and that future looks like new legislation, whether it looks like a blue-ribbon, uh, multi-partisan panel, whether it is a committee of uh, MPs and, and, and senators um, uh, receiving advice and testimony from academic experts and political experts 
to, to suggest legislation uh, to strengthen laws. We can definitely have a process where we have two waves of updated legislation, one from this quick, uh, uh, forward-looking process, and one that accepts the recommendations coming out of the inquiry. Hmm. Now, I found really interesting when you were on the show the other day, you talked about um, the issue of third-party financing. It's not just foreign interference. Foreign interference may be clandestine, but it can also be financial, which is you finance opposition uh, from abroad. Some of it is good for democracy. Let's say you're having a debate over environmental issues or, or, or issues of that sort. But it can also be detrimental because it can undermine the discourse as well. Is that part of the conversation you think we should be having as well, beyond just national security and foreign meddling? It's who's funding this stuff as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, been a major concern of a lot uh, of a lot of people for a lot of time. Uh, uh, the head of elections, BC, actually uh, filed a report a, a couple of years ago that talked about, within the context of the province of British Columbia, that the weakness of our third party rules and the lack of transparency around the financing of third party advertising can lead to foreign interference. So this is a provincial official whose responsibilities aren't supposed to look at foreign interference being concerned about the holes in our legislation in the province of British Columbia being so big uh, that it is a potential for foreign interference. So that's just not my opinion. That's the opinion of the head of elections, BC. When you were on this show last, you also talked about the fact that there's very little security or vetting of uh, bureaucrats, uh, public servants, other public servants, and elected officials. There's not enough of it. And you use yourself as an example, as a former chief of staff to the, the mayor of Vancouver, but you've involved in political leadership races on the provincial level and the federal level as well. I mean, what... You know, when you talk about what needs to happen, it speaks to a giant bureaucracy that needs to be created, I, I would argue. It speaks to a lot more dollars being put towards a CSIS that may look at not only domestic, but another agency that may look at foreign uh, for, foreign interference as well. Like, it's a little of both. But what you're talking about here, it means creating a much larger bureaucracy and process to protect our institutions. And do you think Canadians are ready for the dollars that need to be spent to do all of this? It may not cost as much as uh, uh, we think it is just to have the ability for a campaign manager or chief of staff like me to be able to pick up the phone and uh, be able to security clear uh, uh, an employee. Uh, that research is already there. That uh, evidence and that, and that uh, viewpoint is already there. But when it comes to national security and protecting our sovereignty, uh, that is fundamentally foremost the primary job of government. Um, and uh, I'm not sure we can put a price tag on it. Uh, there are large gaping holes in, in, in being able to uh, uh, plug up the legislation that's allowing uh, uh, some of this drama that we're seeing in Ottawa persist um, uh, in terms of legislation, but also in terms of funding. Uh, but also we've got to be broadening up this conversation to looking at how is our military intelligence apparatus uh, uh, set up um, as well, too. So, this is a broad, larger picture national security discussion. And I generally felt that Canada has, has underfunded uh, its national security services, whether it's the Ministry of Defence, uh, CSIS, or the RCMP. Uh, we aren't hitting our uh, 2% NATO commitment of, uh, of, 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 of GDP being contributed to our security apparatuses. So uh, we're definitely behind where the rest of our G7 allies are in terms of spending on this. Kareem, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Josh.